You guys, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. You were wondering why? Well, the seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You might dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Let's take a trip. Under the sea. California newspapers are filled with bizarre stories of a strange sea beast sighted off the west coast. Returning to San Pedro Harbor and its fisherman's wharf is the first saner endeavor with the two men who first reported seeing the monster. Sam and Joe Randazzo and crew are questioned about the sea beast, the size of a submarine, like something out of prehistoric times. I happen to have a photograph here of a forthcoming movie, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Did the uh, beast that you saw, uh, Skippers, resemble this in any way? Yes, it looks uh, something similar to this. Uh, the scaly part of the body and uh, the animal or beast, whatever it was, had a large uh, head, uh, a round head, and it came down to uh, large shoulders and uh, large protruding eyes. And, and it had a few string hairs in the back of the head. Yes, that's why I didn't want you to read it ahead. I was so excited to get to use that. And I was like, which part of the song would she not grasp at the beginning? Because I oh, I would grasp the whole thing. I kept looking at every lyric and I was like, fuck, none of them work because the first sentence she'll get it. And yeah. then this one, I was like, OK, she might not get into like the second sentence. No, I knew exactly after <laughs> literally when I was talking about life under the sea is better than anything <laughs> they got up there. Like, uh, that's yep, good. that's 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 Little Mermaid. So, hey guys, welcome back. I'm Thena. And I'm Kylie. And we're going to talk about uh, what's under the sea. Under the sea. <laughs> so, I have some pressing questions about tonight's topics for you before we even get into it. Okay. What do you call a grouping of, like, water creatures? Would you say it's a merfolk or merfolks? Because, like, folk is already, like, plural, right? Like, hey, folk, like, that's a folk. But when you say it, you actually usually say folks. You'll be like, hey, folks, how are you doing? You're right. Like, hey, folks. Yeah. You say that really weird. Folks. <laughs> you like emphasize. I like throw a you in it, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the all in it. Um, so what is it? Merfolk or merfolks? I think I would say multiple merfolk. OK, interesting. Interesting. I really like the way I wrote this next one, but in my head, this makes sense. So anyone that ever wanted to know how chaotic I am when I write, it's spelled the same clearly. But I wrote, Kylie, do you say Kraken or Kraken? But obviously I spelled both of them as Kraken. Right. But in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean, one specific person's always like, hey, the Kraken, the Kraken. I think that's an accent. I think it's Kraken. Hmm. You think it's Kraken? Release the Kraken. Guess you're going to find out tonight. Let me think of, like, thinking of Johnny Depp saying it. Yeah, it's definitely Kraken. You want to go with Kraken? That's your final guess? Uh, Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I would say. (laughs) It is Kraken, but interesting enough, the original root word it came from was the Crake. But we changed it into Kraken. Yeah, weird, right? Interesting. So we're going to talk about a few different under the water type creatures. We're going to talk about merfolk, 
We're going to talk about the Kraken. We're going to get real weird and talk about Leviathan. Why not? You know, we're already under the sea. I have no idea what that is. Yes, you do. The Bible. Leviathan. Oh, <laughs> like literally. Leviathan. Okay. <laughs> and then we're going to do some Cthulhu to wrap it up, because why the fuck not? We all love H.P. Lovecraft. I don't know what that is. H.P. Lovecraft. No. The Cthulhu. Yeah. H.P. Lovecraft. Cthulhu. I don't know. The Call of Cthulhu. Okay, I guess you're going to figure it out, ain't you? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so, Kylie, before we start, I'm going to ask you on each one. Do you believe in mermaids or merfolk? Yes. You do? Yes. Okay. TikTok right. has officially swayed me to believe in these creatures. Now, do you believe in creatures of human-like essence then or are you thinking like siren scaries more siren but not in the sense of what a siren is like more siren creature like okay but it's still like living its life it's not trying to eat our i was gonna say pirates (laughs) okay i mean eat our pirates yeah because there are pirates nowadays guys i mean there are right all right let's start with the mermaids and merfolk then most of you guys know the little story of well it's not a little story you know the story of the little mermaid but you probably know the disney version a lot of people know that stories growing up we heard the disney versions and most of us know the disney version was not the real version like they're usually scary twisted grim brother style stories And Disney put a nice little cherry on them and said, here they are for kids. And that's exactly what they did with (laughs) this one. Thank you for putting a cherry on it. I was thinking of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, they can't see me do that. And I was going to go, ding. But they don't know you're (laughs) dinging because you're acting it out. (laughs) So uh, the real version is a Danish story by Hans Christian Andersen. Side note, my mom gave me a like fairy tale book as a child. And I was stoked because I was a child, right? No, it had all the real versions in it. And I was fucking terrified. I was going to say, those are freaking terrifying. Loved the book. It made me really obsessed with this story called The Little Match Girl. Do you know the one about the girl Mm -hmm. that her grandma dies and she's alone on the streets and so she keeps lighting matches and then she dies because she's hypothermic and people walk out on Christmas Day and find her dead body in the streets? Nope. Definitely don't know that. It's real sad, guys. Look up that story. I just traumatized everyone. I really want, now that you said this, I really want to cover fairy tales like that. Like a you act like bunch that's of not sto- something I a have in the... A bunch of short stories. Of I just, have an Excel sheet, Kylie. I know. Stop it. <laughs> they don't know that. Guys, I have an Excel sheet of everything I want to copy. Cover? Sorry. Sorry. Everything I want to cover, and it's multiple copies of pages. Massive. And it's overwhelming. It doesn't make any sense to anyone other than me. Um, Unique. (laughs) So, this version by Hans, I'm going to do the quickest summary I can try to muster up. All right. Little Mermaid, it's a girl. She lives in the underwater kingdom with her widowed Mer King father and her five older sisters. Every year when a mermaid turns 15, she's allowed to swim up to the surface for the first time to catch a glimpse of the world above, right? So all these girls do it. The Little Mermaid is the last one. The Little Mermaid watches as her birthday celebration is held. I'm sorry, on her birthday, as the birthday celebration is held, she swims up to the shore and there is another birthday celebration being held on a ship in honor of a handsome prince. Which, by the way, if you never thought about it, that means the Little Mermaid and the prince have the same birthday. Right. That would have been so unique to remember. Like, yeah. 
I never put those two together. They she falls in love with him from a far distance, obviously, because she's trying to, you know, pretend to be safe. Then this violent storm hits. It sinks the ship. The Little Mermaid saves the prince from drowning. She delivers him unconscious to the shore near a temple. The Little Mermaid waits until someone comes to rescue the prince. This other young woman from the temple and her ladies in waiting find him. The Little Mermaid's mermaid scullies off. You know, she like goes back in her little water world. Did you say scullies? Yeah, because scullies the, the guy in it. Scully. So I used it as a term. Scully. Scurries. Yeah, <laughs> so like it just it didn't, sounded cuter. It didn't make sense. It to did. Me. <laughs> to the Little Mermaid's dismay, the prince never saw the Little Mermaid, so he didn't realize that she saved his life. So he didn't, you know, have these feelings that she had. But she's over here obsessively in love with him at 15 years old. The Little Mermaid visits the sea witch, who helps her because she sells a potion that gives her legs in exchange for her beautiful voice. There's a part about a grandma in there too, but I just cut it out. The witch was. <laughs> because <laughs> she asked the grandma like hey you know like do humans live forever and she's like no but their souls do if they're in love and it's this whole big shebang anyways the witch warns the little mermaid that once she becomes human she can never return to the sea or see her family ever again so she is also told if she drinks this potion it's going to be the worst excruciating pain in the whole world the little mermaid's like fuck me up fam <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) She consumes this potion and makes her feel like she's being stabbed with a sword throughout her body. And now she realizes she's going to constantly feel as if she's walking on sharp knives every single step she takes with these feet. And she's in excruciating pain beyond all belief. And having legs is the most painful thing that's ever happened to her. In addition, she can only obtain a soul because supposedly mermaids don't have souls in this and humans do. So she has to obtain a soul by having the prince fall in love with her and when they get married a part of his soul will flow into her so then she has a soul and she can stay a human right it's very like beauty and the beast-esque it's very just fucking weird i mean it is well beast couldn't become human again unless he won the heart of someone of his true love in order to stop the flower from wilting yeah, you're not wrong. So it's like inimitant, in, inimitant, eh, thank you, imminent <laughs> <laughs> despair if you don't find your true love. So what happens to her is at dawn on the first day, she well, actually, she goes up, she meets with him. She's really happy, but he actually marries someone else. Right. Um, But before he marries someone else, there's this whole part where. He finds her on the beach. She turns into a human. She's a mute. She ends up going on this like little adventure where she dances for the prince and she's in like excruciating pain. And she talks about how like it feels like her body is turning into a puddle of blood and stuff like this. And if he goes through with the marriage that he has a planned marriage, the little mermaid isn't aware of this, that she will die of a broken heart and she will dissolve into the sea as foam on the tops of waves. And that's how foam is on waves created. Okay. whoa. So she's doing this dance, hoping to impress him so that he falls in love with her. The prince ends up having the arranged marriage go through because he wants to impress his parents. The little mermaid is heartbroken, but her sisters all rise out of the ocean in the middle of the night because for some reason she's like on a ship with him, kind of like the cartoon, like they get married on a ship, whatever. 
she like looks out the window and she sees her sisters and they're like, we all cut off our hair and sold our majestic, beautiful princess hair to the sea witch for this dagger. It's a magical dagger. So all you have to do is stab the prince in the heart and let his blood wash over your feet and it will turn you back into a mermaid and you can be happy again. Well, she goes in to stab him and before she does, she looks at him and she realizes she loved him all along. So she throws the dagger into the ocean and jumps into the ocean and turns into foam and she's gone. It turns into sea foam. <laughs> so that's the end of the story. Little wow. different than Disney. Little less song also. Yeah. Um, little not less a fairy tale ending per se. No. <laughs> but that mermaid story has enchanted people since 1837. And it is what made people think mermaids are these majestic, beautiful things, because we knew of mermaids before this, like they were around there. There were stories, but every story kept getting debunked. And we were starting to believe mermaids were not pretty. We actually started thinking they were very like large and like disproportionate or almost sireny and stuff. And that'll make sense once we talk about it, because I've already told Kylie in the archives what mermaids were said to be, and Kylie did not believe me. So we're going to get into it. Mermaid stories have existed in culture since the time of ancient Greeks. Typically, they're depicted as having a woman's head and like a woman's torso, but then a fishtail instead of legs. They're usually like holding a mirror, holding combs. You know, they are brushing their long locks. They're singing by the ocean. They're sitting on rocks. But, um... Sometimes the story goes a little south and they're like, yeah, they also like sing to men and they're closely linked to sirens and they're part bird and they live on islands and sing seductive songs to lure sailors their death and drown them. The part bird is more like the sing songness and stuff and the like, I guess, personality. Like their vocal cords is more bird like. Okay. So these ocean sirens who are part woman, part water creatures, tempt men and then like viciously drown them and steal their riches or whatnot. Okay, sounds a little spooky already, right? Mermaids appear in folklore of different countries across the world and different cultures. The biggest time when these stories started popping up was when humans were sailing and like discovering new places because obviously it was the first time we were out and about, right? Mermaids were the subject of numerous sightings and lore. So we're going to tell a few stories. Christopher Columbus, you know him, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. That jackass. <laughs> <laughs> so he was sailing off the coast of Hispaniola near what is now the Dominican Republic in 1493. Columbus reported on January 9th that he saw three female mermaids, which rose high out of the water but we're not half as beautiful as they are painted. You want to know what they were? It was manatees basking on the sun while laying in rocks. On rocks, I guess. Really? Da, da, da. Females? I mean... I don't know what type of female he's looking at. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure we don't look like manatees. I don't know. I look like a manatee on a bad day sometimes. I also, I'm only thinking of Barbara Manatee from Veggie Tales right now. Okay. No, not, no. So these mermaid sightings that were told in sailor stories were often made up, but sometimes there were real sightings, I guess. But again, they usually turned out to be manatees, dugongs, or stellar sea cows, 
which a lot of you are like, what the fuck's a stellar sea cow? It just sounds like a really cool sentence, right? <laughs> no, they were like a real creature. They became extinct in 1760 because we overhunted them. There is a difference between manatees, dugongs, and stellar sea cows, and it's kind of their size and shape. Stellar sea cows can look like manatees or dugongs, mostly more dugongish, but <laughs> the, but they're massive compared to them. Like think of megalodons versus uh sharks like it's that kind of a size difference okay now manatees we know is having kind of like a bulbous face and it's a little bit like their head's too small for their body now a dugong their face is shaped more like a hammerhead shark almost but instead of having their eyes there that's like the shape of their mouth part so the mouth is like wide and angular i will post a photo because no one can imagine what i'm saying nope. right now <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't look like dugong the pokemon don't think that dugong the pokemon is based on a seal because that makes sense i guess so nowadays most people lump manatees dugongs into the sea cow term and stellar sea cows don't exist so everything's just a sea cow and it's kind of like the the neutral term all right fuck off christopher columbus for calling us cows essentially <laughs> cows, yes fuck off <laughs> But in the 18th century, sea cows were their own mammals, and they were one of the largest aquatic mammals that we have information on at that time. And all these animals did like to bask on rocks in the sun. And from far away with sun shining, once you're dehydrated and you have a lot of sea salt in your eyes and all you want is to make port and be with a woman. I don't know. You can maybe see it, I guess. Sure. We'll go with that. Also, you know... I just feel like you see what you want to see in that moment. <laughs> yeah. Another story told times over the years was of Captain Edward Teach. He is better known as the most infamous pirate, Pirate Blackbeard. Blackbeard was known to be a bloodthirsty pirate who had control of the Caribbean Sea from 1716 to 1718. He was feared, respected, well-known, he kept lots of logs of his travels. He kept records, stories, and he made sure to jot down a lot of his battles within like the ocean. So I have <clears throat> I have something interesting. You know how we've said um, defense and defense. Mm -hmm. So I do that with the Caribbean also. Caribbean when I'm Germany. talking about it as a place, I say the Caribbean. But if I'm talking about it in the sense of the Pirates movie... I say Pirates of the Caribbean. That's because, you know, Caribbean and Caribbean are two different words. <laughs> Technically, yeah. Uh, so I went down a deep hole on trying to figure this out one time. <laughs> I know that's you shocking. Did. <laughs> so it's the Caribbean islands, but the native uh, culture is the Caribbean culture. So Caribbean jerk, like jerky, things like that, or like Caribbean seasoning. That's interesting because I would have said Caribbean. I would have said, said it the opposite way. So jerk. nowadays, most Caribbean people, jerk, yeah. it is said that if you figure out which way one is, you'll do the opposite on purpose because of human nature. But technically, it was meant to be two separate terms. But since they're spelled the same, we don't recognize it in human culture. So then when pirates in the human culture, well, like in like <laughs> American culture, I don't know who says it the most. So I don't want to like say it's American technically. English. But culture english culture sure um but when pirates of the caribbean came out uh i was reading a thing that it's because pirates of the caribbean sounded bad so they started marketing pirates of the caribbean 
And some people were upset saying, shouldn't it be it's opposite. the other way around? Mm-hmm. And they were like, but listen to the ring of it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so good. That's, that's what I thought. And I thought it was just always supposed to be pronounced Caribbean. And it just like rolled off the tongue better with Caribbean. But I kind of interchange them every so often because sometimes I'll be like the Caribbean islands are in the Caribbean Sea. That's not correct. Yep, that's what I would but say. That's too. what I would say. Yeah. So interesting. And I mean, this could be wrong because it could have been changed over time. But I fell into this hole trying to figure that one out one time. <laughs> And it was very difficult to figure out, I will be honest, because yeah. you were reading it. And so every so often I had it's to like, like listen same. to things. Yeah, right. In several of the records, going back to Pirate Blackbeard, he instructed his crew to steer clear of certain charted waters because he would call them enchanted waters. When people asked him what he meant or would try to read his books and things like that. He essentially said he feared the merfolk, sirens and mermaids that lived in those waters. Blackbeard and his members of his crew all reported seeing merfolk in the water, and these sightings were recounted and shared by sailors and pirates who believed that mermaids and merfolk brought bad luck. The mermaids were said to bewitch men into giving up their gold and dragging them to the bottom of the sea with beautiful songs, their beauty, or just a siren nature. Now, it's funny that you brought up like a, hey, I have a side note, because as I was writing this, I had my own personal side note. And it hit me because I was like, oh, I got to put these in order. And I moved Blackbeard to the top. No, Columbus came before Blackbeard. Doesn't that sound weird? Like, I feel like the pirates owned everything. Yeah, like would have been before America was discovered and like everything else. But no, no, like Blackbeard literally came 300 years after Columbus. Because Pirate Blackbeard was alive 300 years ago. Columbus was alive 530 years ago. That's also weird to say because 300 years feels like a long time, but sometimes 300 years doesn't feel that long. And to think that 300 years ago, Blackbeard was just like sailing around enjoying his life. That sounds wild. And 530 years ago isn't isn't a real thing. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> it's not a real so time. It's just super odd, like hearing those phrases. And I'm, you know, like doing my little research. I'm like, wow, Blackbeard was so just long like ago. living. Okay. All right. Now, different countries all have different stories. A lot of them all lead to death of men, and it's by the hands of these mer creatures. Sorry. <laughs> I think I was trying to say crustaceans. I think, so. yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it didn't go well there. Kind of how I did with the Christmas characters. We're going to do the same here and we're going to take a spin around the world and figure out how different places feel about mermaids. In Norse mythology, they have a deep respect for female entities who rule the sea, namely the goddess Ran and her husband, Iger. They have nine daughters who personify as different waves. These stormy sea spirits will reflect the shifting moods of the ocean, sometimes being helpful, sometimes harmful. They will gather sailors in their drowning nets and drag them out to the deep, though, sometimes. Like, that's how harmful they are. In Greek mythology, there's mentions of women of the sea that entice helpless sailors by luring them to their death by means of enchanted singing, merciless luring the ships into, like, shattering upon the rocks, things like that. The mermaid goddess Atargetus was known to the Greeks who called her Dirketo, 
Her transformation and story maybe is what influenced later Greek depictions of Sirens of the Sea, which we've heard in like the Ulysses stories and stuff like that. But the Romans also had the same storyline going on at the same time, like how Athena exists, Minerva exists type things like same thing, just two different roads. And the Romans had this as a goddess named Dia Syria or Desira. There's Celtic culture and they have their own versions of mermaid legends. And in Ireland in particular, there's a very long detailed association with merfolk lore. In fact, the word mermaid is technically derived from the Irish word marrow, meaning sea, and oi, meaning maid, so a maiden of the sea. These refer specifically to female species, though, and merfolk is like a word that came later because of that. So merfolk in general were known later as the sewer. So kind of like a sir, like a male, like a man version of it, right? But, uh... They got corrupted by Scottish people because they started calling them a different name and they started calling them the Silkies. Now, if all these time, all these terms I'm saying, like sound really familiar and you're like, I feel like I've heard this word. This is really familiar. It's because all of these are the terms they use in Fantastic Beasts, the movies like the Harry Potter movies. These are all creatures in it. Voila, like it all comes full circle, right? Like Mm -hmm. merfolk are the only creatures of the sea. There are mermen, which are the male counterpart to mermaids, obviously. They are more weary, uh, wary, and they've rarely seen, they're, they're like kind of hidden. You know, the, the mermen are a little bit smarter. They don't come to the surface, supposedly. The few reports they are are not good, which I mean, if you're thinking that the women are walruses, I'm sure you don't think highly of the men. They describe them as having sharp pointed teeth small piggy eyes and scaly skin i can't even like think of what that looks like in my head it's not the same thing at all but the only thing i can think of is the creatures from the fourth harry potter movie those like weird fucking fish things that he has to that when they're down in the water yeah in that thing yeah that's not at all the same creature but that's the only thing i can think of is because it has a tail and it's not human but it's not a fish and that's what comes to my mind in Ireland, they indicated that throughout Middle medieval times, the existence of mermaids was accepted as a historical fact. Nope, not even like fake. It is fact. All right. But in 1888, they recorded something called the Annals of the nope. Four. What I say? 1888. 1888. <laughs> <laughs> A little off. <laughs> um, I can't even pronounce that number right now. <laughs> in... 1118? Yes. <laughs> in 1118, they recorded in the Annals of the Four Masters an entry that says, Fishermen have again discovered mermaids, this time in the Nor River of the County Kilkenny and near the town of Waterford. So they're literally going on with like, this is 100% factoid, mer-creatures exist. Another entry in the same book was from AD 558. And it referred to the capture of a mermaid named Liban, which was a fisherman off the Antrim coast. Now, Liban, however, was not an ordinary mermaid. It had actually been a person once upon a time, and it was a child who was raised by merfolk. And here's how. 
They were on a boat and there was a drowning accident that took her family and left her to the mercy of the sea. So the merfolk drug her beneath the sea and raised her as a mer creature. So essentially, she's living with her parents off the coast of Scotland. The storm drowns her parents and she's carried away with this severe flood or like whatever. And in 588 AD, people are fishing out on the water and someone accidentally caught her in a fishing net that was placed across the entrance to Belfast Lou. Now, in her years at the sea, she had been living among the merfolk in the land beneath the waves, also known as Turfothuin, and she became a mer-creature. Now, when they caught her, they brought her back up to land, so I don't know if she lived as a mer-creature on land or a human, because they say both stories. But supposedly, at this point, she accepts Christianity. They changed her name to Mergen, which is Daughter of the Sea, and she started performing healing miracles throughout Ireland. When Mergen died, she was buried in St. Cthubert's Church in Dunless in North Anthrum, where there's a seashell motif on her tomb that marks her years among the merfolk. And this is 100% fact, Ireland says. How do you live on <laughs> land as a merfolk? Well, though? how did you get drowned and you just developed gills? Right. It instantly made me think of the fish boy from Lake, Lake Lanier. Lanier. <laughs> In the archives, you guys want to listen? Really good one. Tupata. Super weird. Super weird and story. I, is that in part two? But I think it's in part yeah, two. Yeah, I think it's part two, yeah. Of a tupada. 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 The Irish legends consider merfolk to be fallen angels and supernatural beings who are cast out of heaven for their rebellion. So that's another reason why this creature girl could probably heal things and stuff is because she's, you know, cast down from heaven, I guess. That's... But wouldn't... Wouldn't that be a good deed? Wouldn't that wouldn't that get you the Kylie, big... you're really you're really uh, <laughs> asking too many questions here. More sightings continued across the world throughout the years. There were two sightings reported in Canada near Vancouver and Victoria. One of them was in 1870 and the other was in 1890. But then they had another one in 1967. That's not that long ago. No, it's not. And if you think, wow, that's still long ago. Okay, don't worry. In August 2009, dozens of people reported seeing a mermaid leaping out of the water and doing aerial tricks off the Israeli coast town of Kirat Yam. So they offered a $1 million award for a uh, reward, sorry, for anyone that could show proof of, his, proof of this creature's existence. No one came forward. But in 2009, someone saw a mermaid. Dozens of people did, supposedly. Hmm. You think they're all making it up, all of them together? Probably. Because, I don't know, They why would the mermaid do that? So here's the story. In 2009, a dozen people were at Kirat Yam. It's in Israel, and they claimed to see a mermaid frolicking in the waves near the shore. This wasn't a one-time event. There were other mermaid sightings over the course of the next few months. They saw that they were doing tricks, these mermaids, this mermaid, right? So the Israeli government took notice and issued the $1 million reward for anyone that could capture any real footage. Since they made that reward, though, no one could turn in evidence. But people are still looking out today thinking this mermaid still exists and she's just camera shy. 
So let's go dedicate our lives to finding the mermaid so we make a million dollars. Well, if not, if you don't want to go to Israel, we could also go to Zimbabwe because in 2012, workers were building a dam in Zimbabwe. However, a pesky mermaid kept spooking the workers, so they refused to finish the project. The water resources minister named Sam Sapio Nukmo told the Senate committee that the village chiefs were going to have to perform rituals to get rid of the mermaid. But even after that happened, the workers refused to go back. Eventually, they flew in foreign workers to, to come finish the project. But these workers said they had the same experience with this pesky mermaid. So they refused to finish the project. To this day, the dam is still unfinished because everyone's scared of the mermaid. Pesky is interesting. <laughs> like, what happened? Like, was she just splashing on her? Like, <laughs> what? Goddamn what it, mermaid. Why are they scared? Every time they're trying to, like, weld of- something. Damn it, the mermaid fucking got my welding kit wet again. Yeah, and, like, what, like, what is pesky is the question of the day. So there are two other theories to what mermaids could be. They might not be walruses. They get weirder. The walrus one is the only one that's a good one, kind of. (laughs) But let's go. First one, the aquatic ape hypothesis, also known as, ah, (laughs) A-A-H, ah. So this is referred to as aquatic ape theory sometimes also, which is A-A-T, at. (laughs) (laughs) Kylie. You should get me think of Bigelow ass. about that you're welcome skinwalker ranch in the archives that one might need to be a (laughs) t-shirt that's my favorite thing you've ever said with a big um i don't i don't know maybe part of the b is his big head or something (laughs) his butt yeah wow okay (laughs) so at and at are proposals of the evolutionary ancestors of modern humans where they spend time adapting to semi-aquatic existences. Said a lot of big words there. Let's break it down. These two companies create a hypothesis that they propose that was created by a German pathologist named Max Westenhofer in 1942, but then independently another English guy who was a marine biologist named Alistair Hardy in 1960 kind of backed it up in a sense and like restated it because it didn't get enough traction the first time around. But essentially both arguments lost because the male, the men both uh, failed to achieve significant popular notice. So what it is, is this hypothesis lacks fossil evidence to support claims that there is an evolutionary piece missing of where humans and merfolk could be part of the evolutionary grid. And that's what they're saying is that mermaids were part of human evolution. So like if you didn't go into the ape way, you went into the merfolk way? Is yeah. that what? Okay. And they're saying that there's some sort of aquatic ape that we came from. Mm. So there was apes on land and apes in the sea. And all humans. So there was apes on lands, on the land and apes in the sea. And somehow humanity derived from either the crossing of these or from both. 
maybe different people came from different ones and that's how everything came to be. So I'm like a really good swimmer. So maybe I came from that. Yes, you came from (laughs) the aquatic apes. Okay, sounds good to me. And I'm good at hiking. So I came from the land apes. Yep, there you go. Makes sense. Yeah. So they say that there's like a simplified version of evolution somewhere and that we're just missing this piece. But there's no evidence that can back it up. So they say that this evolution could not be true. There's just nothing backing it up, right? So that's the first theory. Got us nowhere, right? All right, second theory. So far, the walruses are starting to sound pretty good, right? (laughs) (laughs) The second theory is people just didn't understand a diagnosis that could have been happening back then. This one's going to get wild. Okay, it's called Sirenmelia. And it is a real disease, okay? But there's only been three known cases in humans that have survived infancy, but they didn't survive super long. They didn't have long lives. Their names were Tiffany Yorks, Shiloh Pepin, and Miglerosario. Now, Sirenomalia is known as mermaid syndrome. It's an extremely rare congenital development disorder characterized by anomalies of the lower spine and lower limbs. The affected infants are born with partial or complete fusion of their legs. So essentially, what would their legs look like if their legs are fused together, but their feet aren't? And so their feet prop out in opposite directions? A fin. However, these three cases are the only ones documented in the world. And these came in recenter times, like in the past 50 years. So what you're telling me, if you think this theory is true, is that People had this disease. Is this a disease? No, a disorder. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Is it a disorder? Disorder. Yes, a disorder. A developmental disorder. You're saying that people had this developmental disorder. And the solution was they decided, I can't live among humans. I'm going to go in the water and swim in the water and lay on rocks for pirates to stare at me. Yep. That seems believable, I guess. I don't know. I would think a shark's going to eat me because it's just going to think I look like a smaller (laughs) fish. Probably. So I couldn't find a ton of other cases that could be old besides those three. And those three look like the only ones that have been like proven as facts so far. So unless those people decided to start rumors about them being like really good swimmers or something, I don't see that one becoming a good one. I didn't find any other evidence that this medical anomaly could be linked to merfolk creatures other than the deformity itself. Looking like a fishtail. Now, scientists claim that mermaids have to be a myth there's no other solution i mean except for the irish apparently because it's impossible for a creature to be half woman and half fish because women like humans us we are mammals we're mammals right so we are warm-blooded creatures but fish are cold-blooded cold-blooded species for us to be a creature to be half warm-blooded and half cold-blooded it would not the blood would not flow correctly it would not exist it would not live now kylie's looking at me because she's gonna say what about dolphins and whales and manatees <laughs> yeah just just wait <laughs> wait man yeah manatees are mammals right i said that at the beginning didn't i yeah. i said dugongs and 
walruses, not manatees. Wait, are manatees? What's the difference? Wait, did I say manatees or walruses? You didn't say walruses. Okay, manatees. Manatees are, yeah, mammals. Sea cows are all mammals. Sea cows? (laughs) (laughs) What they are. (laughs) It's interesting that all of them are called sea cows because orcas are called sea cows. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're because big boys. they're black and white looking. Oh, like, I thought it's because they're big boys. They're also big boys. Yeah. You can learn more about orcas in one of our uh, archived episodes called Sea World. Go listen. That one's controversial. You don't have to listen if you Ooh, don't want. That one is. That one is feisty. <laughs> Just maybe chill on the controversial ones. Never mind. Don't listen to that one. Go listen to tender short stories. <laughs> so. The thing with this is that you can't have both types of creatures in the same body, they say. But as Kylie was jumping to conclusions, (laughs) this is a dismissive theory, they say, because sea cows exist. However, sea cows live in tropical waters and that's how they exist and stay warm blooded and like survive and stuff, which makes an even weirder point because mermaid sightings were often in colder waters in Europe and sea cows don't live there very predominantly. But that's where the vast majority of mermaid stories arise from. I mean, if you're talking about like whales and shit, they're definitely in cold areas. We are talking about manatees. Why do you keep bringing the fucking manatees also? (laughs) Okay. Scientists try to account for this by claiming European sailors and fishermen are mistaking seals and dolphins for mermaids now. That's what they think is the true test. Is the, because they have the leaner bodies and like better shaped. I don't think I look like a seal, but I could be mistaken for a dolphin <laughs> if I try hard enough. I think I get it. I love seals. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, they are. We hear and see a lot about different mer creatures and popular cultures. To give you some examples, Peter Pan, Hook, like all those type things. Splash, the movie with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Barbie Fairytopia, The Little Mermaid, Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, Aquamarine, which is an iconic movie with Jojo Emma Roberts and Sarah Paxton. Oh my gosh, Aquamarine. (laughs) It's what made me love fish food as my favorite ice cream because she eats fish food. She does. The Chronicles of Narnia in One Piece, the manga and cartoon series has multiple mermaids. Not that I'm willing to watch 533,000 episodes to get to them, but supposedly there's two really famous ones, Kokoro and Cammie. I don't know. The water fairy from Neopets who works at the Healing Springs and Rainbow Fountain. You know I had to throw her in here. (laughs) I love her. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Um, On one of the islands, there's a mermaid named Martha who lives in the bay. She has flowers in her hair. I love that her name is Martha. Martha the mermaid. It's just not very like beautiful and like ethereal like all the other, you know? (laughs) So when the player talks to her, she says that she lost her necklace because the ocean waves, if you retrieve it and she like swims out, you she'll give you a mermaid scale. And then when she jumps on the surface of the rock, you actually get to see her tail. So in Charmed, there's an episode where a mermaid has to help Phoebe against a sea witch. In Pokemon, Misty's sisters pretend to be mermaids. And there's two episodes where Misty like appears as a mermaid Chrono Cross, the video game, has a mermaid named Iron Iron Irene's. Who I was struggling there. Harvest Moon has Leia. There's tons more. 
Paris Hilton pretends to be a mermaid in a mermaid show in The Simple Life season one. You just skimmed over Harvest Moon, but Harvest Moon is my absolute favorite video game of all time. I just want to talk about Paris Hilton. (sighs) I just want to talk about Harvest Moon. So, I mean, Kylie, we're at the end of Mermaids and Merfolk. You still you still a believer? Yeah. Smash Mouth would ask. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you believe in mermaids and merfolk or just one or the other? I think I personally I believe in merfolk, but I don't believe in mermaids. But I do believe in the Neopet mermaid. She exists. She exists. 100%. 100%. Fact. <laughs> there is a planet that is literally Neopets. I have 100% faith. I don't know a galaxy, but I'm going to find it someday. All right, let's move on to uh, the Kraken. It's <laughs> funny because I was going to say the Kraken. <laughs> so, Kylie, do you believe in the Kraken? No, you don't. All right. I believe in very, very large squids, but I do not believe in the Kraken. You are going to give me your best Davy Jones impression and read that quote. Now, remember Davy Jones and his face and his tentacles. Remember how he talks. Oh, God. (laughs) Give me your best Davy Jones. Would you like me to go first? I just like I don't think I can do it, but yeah, go ahead. Let no man walk look up to the sky with hope. Let this be the day he cursed be who wake cracking. <laughs> I spit all over the mic. <laughs> Let no man look up at the sky with hope. Ah! And let this day be cursed by we who ready to wake. I think you sufficed enough for, oh, for us. I practice that all day. I practice, <laughs> That's not fair. I practice like four times for my coworkers, and they're like, why do you keep talking like that? Because none of them had ever seen the movies. What? And I kept being like, Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, because he's <laughs> yeah. Like drowning himself the whole time. And I just kept doing it. And I kept like talking like that randomly. Or I'd be like, what do you mean you want to take a watch now? And my coworkers were like, the, the fuck, fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's like that week when I Jack Sparrow ran everywhere around work. It's fine, guys. <laughs> my coworkers think I'm a crackhead. I'm not doing it. You did it. You did it justice. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. My skill in life is being a tentacle faced man. Okay. <laughs> so that was Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> parts of the caribbean dead man's chest um the kraken is featured in multiple of those movies we'll talk about that later but let's get into who he is do you think the kraken's a dude it's a dude right it's a he no it's not a she yeah it's a she fuck no it ain't the kraken is a man no kraken all big things in the sea are female that's bullshit Okay, guys, is the Kraken man or woman? Kylie hates when I call them man or woman. She wants it male or female, so I did it for her. 
I'm trying to think. They definitely referenced her as a big female. No, in- Calypso is a big female. Well, yeah. The Kraken is a big male. No. Yes, because Davy Jones <laughs> says that it's his pet and stuff like that. And he calls it a he. I'm like 90% sure. You got to find it. I'm pretty sure. I'm the Kra- almost positive. The Kraken's dude. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we are so <laughs> off base today, guys. So the Kraken is a legendary sea monster. That's a man of enormous size. <laughs> SeaWorld too. God, that was so funny. <laughs> you guys really gotta listen to SeaWorld. I go off the rails there too. I just love talking about water creatures apparently. Being mans. <laughs> I didn't know men and males were different things until then. It never dawned on me until it really was just mind blown. <laughs> um, the Kraken is a legendary sea monster of enormous size. It's said to appear off the coast of Norway usually. Which is not what I thought, but that is what the biggest amount of the like stories come from is Norway. The Mm. Caribbean islands are not near Norway. No. Okay. I'm just throwing that out there. I didn't (laughs) think I was that bad at directions. The Kraken is the subject of sailor superstitions and myth. It was described in. Oh, I believe in it. I forgot to say that at the beginning. (laughs) I believe in the Kraken. Uh, I think that if it. I think it is a giant squid, like you said, but I think that there was one big daddy that was bigger than all the rest. <laughs> you are just going to rub it in that you think <laughs> it's a dude. It's a dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mm. Otherwise, it would have mated with something at some point and there would be more. How do you not we, know that it there's more? didn't. There isn't because there's no ships getting destroyed by giant no, tentacles No, that's where right the now. giant squids came from. No, the giant squids are evil. To- Bro, I'm not <laughs> doing this with you. <laughs> This podcast isn't for us. It's for them. (laughs) I disagree. (laughs) Uh, So the Kraken was first described in notes and journals from a man named Francesco Nigri in 1700. Not long after this, in 1734, another missionary named Dano and his explorer friend named Hans Eged described the same creature coming out of the sea. And they said they they like saw it. They were adamant, right? They described the Kraken in extreme detail, and the stories were essentially describing the same creature from 30 years before, with supposedly not hearing those stories. That's what made it interesting, right? We always think it's weird when someone can describe something the same without hearing it. At first, some people chalked this story up to the idea that it was a Hafgufa, which is another lore story. Hafgufas are, I'm probably fucking that up, but (laughs) (laughs) they're like, it's (laughs) Hafgufa. They are sea monsters that look like large whales that inhibit Icelandic. Fuck me. That was the easiest word. Icelandic. (laughs) Icelandic waters near the Greenland Sea. These creatures are so big that some people mistake islands as the creatures. And the creatures are said to be so large they would consume other whales, whole ships, or anything within the sea. At this point, Athena fell into a huge hole about different types of water lore creatures. And I realized that I was starting to get really into these like hafgufas and everything. (laughs) And I bit off way more than I could chew with water creature lore short stories because this was not going to be short. So that's all I'm going to talk about the hafgufas. And we're going back to the Kraken. But... People thought the Kraken was a Hafgufa at first. 
If you want to look up Hoff Goofas, go for it. It's spelled <laughs> Hoff Goofa. <laughs> go crazy, bro. It's spelled Hoff Goofa. <laughs> like, it's exactly how it sounds. Hence why I'm, I'm it's just butchering G-U-F-A, it. G-U-F-A, not G-O-O, like Goofy. Okay. I, I did a strong you, Goofa. Hoff Goofa? It'd be like Goofa. If it's Icelandic, shouldn't it be like Hoff Goofa? Nope, that's Swedish. <laughs> Good luck with that accent. (laughs) Sometime around this point, the first descriptions of the Kraken started getting credited to a Norwegian bishop named Eric Pontepodian. And in 1753, he started saying what they looked like, right? What the Kraken looked like. He said the creature seemed to be of a different sea shape than the Hafkufa. But he later said that he knew what it looked like. It was a polypus, otherwise known as an octopus-like creature, but it's of tremendous size, right? So Ponto, as I'm going to call him, because his name is just <laughs> Why don't you just call him Eric? <laughs> well, because I like Ponto. It's kind of like cute. Ponto. Come here, Ponto. It's like a puppy. So Ponto said that the Kraken was a fearsome beast that could pull ships down to the depths beneath the ocean and take the crew with it. I just want to talk like Davy Jones right now. I know, right? I'm just all like I can think thinking of... of- pirates but when i think of his voice it sounds good in my head when i execute it it doesn't sound like that somehow it doesn't do it it's wrong but in my head guys i'm real good at that (laughs) accent i'm so good at it i can like sing you happy birthday in davy jones's voice (laughs) so not very long after this version of the kraken came to be with ponto there came to be this other version It was by a French malacologist, which is a person who studies clams and snails. And his name was Pierre Denis Montfont. He lived from 1766 to 1820. He wrote stories about this creature, a.k.a. the Kraken, that he believed to be a giant octopus creature from the depths of the ocean. So essentially everyone's saying the same thing at this point, right? And not in the same areas. Correct. And it's over different time spans. Are you guys ready for me to bust out the French? So ready. I love your French. (laughs) It's going to be rough, though, because these are big words. (laughs) So Montfort was inspired by a description from around 1783 that he heard of an eight meter long tentacle that was found in the mouth of a sperm whale like it ate it. So he's like, something has to be big enough for it to chomp on this. Right. Okay, But sperm whales don't eat big things it ate an eight meter long tentacle i don't believe you (laughs) so this inspired him to write a book called the conciology systematique et classification métique des corps okay which is translated (laughs) to the systematic cons i can't do it in fucking english (laughs) conchology of methodological classification of shells literally it's a big book about the scientific like study conchology of mollusks and shells. Yeah, yes. like conch, like mm-hmm. a conch, shell. like a conch shell. Yes, interesting. So then he wrote two other publications that he shortly followed up, kind of like as like a add-on, the Histoire Naturelle Générale des Particulars et Molluscus, and then secondly, the Comte de Brouffant Histoire Naturelle Générale et Particulars. Essentially, this man was a well-known guy in the clam, mollusk, snail, or gastropod-type world. So people were like, if he knows all that shit about snails, he probably knows about those big squids, right? Sure. 
So he also went on to just be kind of well known for a while, but well known in a bad way. He kind of Ben Franked himself. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get that reference, it's because in the archives, you listened to the Jersey Devil episode. And if not, you're fucking missing out. <laughs> it's a good, good time for everyone, except Titan Leeds. <laughs> So the fun fact about this of why he got discredited is because Montefort appeared to have also been the author on another book. The Petit Vocabulaire de Luciège de Francisier Alia, Reformant de l'Homme de Parte de Trousse et Perse Essentiales de Plaisir vers Linguisesse of Francis, Latin, Hebrew, Allendas, Alemans, Anglais, Espanol, Italian, etc. Did you get what I said? Whoa. <laughs> The small vocabulary usage of French and its allies partaking in the different choosings of words that essentially can mean the different things among languages, okay, between the languages of French, Latin, Hebrew, what would that be? Hollandis. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the next one is either. English, Spanish, Italian, etc. He's essentially saying like, here's words that are similar apart. Here's words that mean the same thing, different things, all this stuff. And here's words that are new among the languages. And he's like breaking everything down, right? This was in 1850. And as Paris started filling. 1815. Their... Yeah, not 50. <laughs> in 1815, as Paris filled with the armies of the allies after the fall of Napoleon in 1814. I talked shit about him in an archive episode too recently. Go find it. He was supposedly this reputable man, right? But around this time, that book came out and he started going out making all these claims of the Kraken and his claims started tarnishing his reputation because they were so unbelievable. So, see, he kept doing all these great things and people were like, holy shit, this man's to be trusted. And then he went too over the top and he ruined it. Later, he proposed that 10 British warships had mysteriously disappeared one night in 1782. This was the big thing that made people stop believing him, right? Because he told this story and when he said it, he said the only explanation for these 10 missing ships was the giant creature sunk the ships. And he said that was the work of the Kraken and he knew it. He like went on the book saying it was the Kraken. No, they're just in Davy Jones locker. Actually, no, <laughs> they were just in a different coast. Which is funny because <laughs> Davy Jones locker is a, is a lot like the upside down in a sense because yeah, they have to go upside down. Yeah. So the British actually knew what happened to the ships, so they disgraced his revelations and they proved that he was wrong. That sucks. His career never recovered and he died starving and poor in Paris in 1820. A lot of his stories about the Kraken described this giant squid, which in 1857 was proven to exist by a man named... Yep, that's a name. <laughs> Archithesius? Yeah, probably. Hmm, yeah. So... Literally, if he wouldn't have made up all that crazy shit and they later would have just found the squid, he could have maybe he should recovered. Have said that he was theorizing, not that it was 100 percent true. That so this should, was the only way. So should Ben Frank. But you know what he didn't do? <laughs> he trolled a man. Didn't be almost. <laughs> so the Kraken still became this thing that passed through the years as a lore and story among sailors, captains, anyone the French author Victor Hugo wrote stories of the legend in a book in 1866. Again, he depicted it as a large squid octopus type creature. 
There were other versions of what the Kraken could have looked like and been, but pretty much the only one that stuck over the years was this like giant squid thing. And that's probably what we mistook as the Kraken. So that's the one that sticks. But here's a quick timeline of how they think it changed. In 1700, Norwegian versions of the Kraken were called the Krake. And it was described in a book as a massive fish with a mini horned, mini armed, like sea serpent creature. In 1741, they said it was a mini head clawed creature from the sea. But then in 1753, Ponto popularized Kraken as the correct term and said that it was a giant sea crab starfish. And then lastly, he said, no, wait, it's an octopus. And everyone's like, yeah, it's an octopus. You got it. Or it's all together. You nailed it. Finally, it's all three put together. Yes. So that's essentially what the Kraken is in popular cultural references. The Kraken Wakes, which is a 1953 novel. Kraken's in a Marvel comic. Clash of the Titans, the 1981 and 2010. The Seattle Kraken professional ice hockey team. The Krakens in video games such as Sea of Thieves, God of Wars, Return of Obra Dinn. The Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It is the fearsome pet of Davy Jones. It's also in the sequel to the film that we quoted earlier at World's End. The best one. Mm, incorrect, <clears throat> but that's okay. So, <laughs> Kylie, do you believe in the Kraken, yay or nay? No, I believe in large squids. Okay. Okay. Moving on to <laughs> obviously the most believable because it comes from the Bible. You guys never thought you'd catch us doing a Bible thing again, <laughs> but here we are. Say that. <laughs> I think I don't think this is the first time I've trashed on the Bible on here. So let's just no. Let's just around with it. The Leviathan. Kylie, do you believe in it or no? I'm trying to think of what it is. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a hard fucking no for me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a hard no for me, too, if I'm thinking of the correct thing. So the Leviathan is a sea... Fucking rad-ass name, though. The Leviathan. <laughs> Great band name. Like, right? sync with the Leviathan or something. Yeah, you could do some gnarly stuff with that. And then have the fucking monster on your shirt. Oh, yeah. But then people would be like, oh, you're a Christian band. You're a skillet. So that wouldn't work. Leviathan is a sea serpent noted in theology and mythology, meaning it does come from belief backgrounds. It's referenced in several books from the Hebrew Bible, including Psalms, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. <laughs> Fuck it, it's Isaiah now. The book of Jonah. I should be like, Jonah, and more. The Leviathan is often an embodiment of chaos and the chaos monster. Like it is the form of chaos itself, right? The Leviathan varies slightly in appearance, but it's always said to be monstrously large to the point of being almost colossus in size, mammoth in size, or titan-like. In Psalms, it's said to be a multi-headed sea serpent dragon creature. And based on biblical descriptions, the, the Leviathan is known as a large sea reptile. Potentially, it's a dinosaur, actually. The Plesiosaurus. And that is what it looks like if you kind of you look at what? it. You know what? water dinosaurs scare the living shit out of me <laughs> so <laughs> fucking should like nope that's the only reason jurassic world wouldn't work is those those bitches otherwise we could live with dinosaurs we could do it oh yeah yeah we could do it we could do it if you just bring back some herbivores bring back patchy i want a goddamn pet patchy oh my fucking god i want a pet patchy i want to watch him smash his little head inside of a brick wall so hard <laughs> they're the ones with the hard heads that smash them into things what's your guys favorite dinosaur huh <laughs> What? I don't know. I 
like dinos. Huh? <laughs> so often the Leviathan is described as a red creature. Also, I feel like that already is very abnormal for us to have a water creature that's red. Yeah. I just don't believe it already. You lost me. It's black or blue or green or gray. It's all of the above. Not red. No. Red, yellow and orange are not sea creatures except for clownfish. Orange. I was going to say orange, not clownfish, but some squid are like orange colored. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Gross. So this creature is supposed to be red with multiple heads, probably seven of them, and having ten horns. I don't know if that means ten horns on each seven heads, meaning 70 horns or ten horns collectively, like some fell off or something. I cannot figure <laughs> out how the ten horns and seven heads correlate. Don't ask me. <laughs> His body would likely be draconic in nature. So like dragony, you know, big old dragon. And somewhat serpentine in shape. And he has strong legs, powerful claws on each leg. Scales so strong, no mortal weapon could wound him. He can breathe fire in the water. <sighs> and water can flood his mouth. So he could also do like water tricks. His eyes are an intense, powerful red. And he's described as, like I said, having scales that are like made from armors and shields. Javelins can't even pierce this. So you know what I'm imagining? Kylie's going to get real flustered that I say this. I'm imagining the dragon from Shrek just waltzing around in the water. Because essentially she has strong legs. She's reddish in color. She has reddish eyes. She doesn't have seven heads. All right. Put seven more heads on her and throw her in the water. And that's the Leviathan is in my head. I was thinking of the and I'm so sorry, Corey. He's going to kill me, but I can't think of it. It's in the it's in one of these posters, but the three headed Godzilla thing. Uh, which is that King Kadora? Kadora. So are we thinking she's like a Hydra monster with all these heads? If we cut her head off, does yeah, like Hercules meets dragons meets Jurassic Park? <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> yeah, Shrek. Like this is just fucking, but under the, the water. Yeah, like in the water. Okay. Yeah, the Bible yeah. knows what it's doing, guys. Don't question it. <laughs> So while the Leviathan is mostly known from biblical references, other mythical creatures have origins that predate times in written languages where the stories pass down through generations as a cautionary tale. So we actually have physical artifacts such as stone tablets and written work that help us unravel the history of the Leviathan compared to other lore, which is kind of rare. Like we have more documentation of it than anything else. But scientists say the Leviathan was probably not a real animal and it was probably based on real animals that they saw at the time but it's considered a mythical beast not real in my mind i'm gonna give a big fat l to this one and say it's not real and it was a dinosaur and they're stupid i agree but they tried they tried now moving on to the big baddie kylie knows nothing of this one cthulhu so you don't even know if you do believe in it or not cthulhu Cthulhu, yeah. It's spelled so weird. It's nice. I'll explain the spelling, <laughs> actually. <nice. laughs> Have you ever played Call of Cthulhu? No. Okay, it's it's uh, a similar to D&D role-playing style game. So oh. I have played it. My friend Kyle brought it and made us play it after D&D one night. He was like, hey, I know we have our normal D&D campaign in, like happening right now. And we would do, you know, like an hour every Sunday. And he's like, what if we stayed an extra hour <laughs> and we did two hours and we do one campaign for one hour. And then when we're tired of that and we're all like, you know, to the point of almost dying, we'll start the other campaign and we'll do that for an hour. 
So the 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 kids that stayed would play that, and the kids that leaved leaved would leave. <laughs> I say kids like we weren't like twenty seven, right? By the way, like we're adults, but you know, I gotta make us sound like we're not losers. Side note, everyone, I got a new pair of D and D dice. If you want to talk with me about D and D, I saw them. They're the fucking most beautiful D and D dice. So ever. cool. They're so cool. Also, my mom shipped me my other ones the other day. Or my mom didn't ship me. She gave me my other ones in a package the other day. I'll just I'll show you all my other ones. <laughs> all right. So Cthulhu. He is a fictional cosmic entity created by the writer H.P. Lovecraft. So if you already know, this is going to get fucking crazy because anything Lovecraftian is crazy. All right. It was first introduced in his story, The Call of Cthulhu, which was published by the American pulp magazine Weird Tales in 1928. Cthulhu is considered to be one of the cosmic entities from the pantheon of Lovecraftian creations. The most well-known creations in Lovecraft's work are Azalethoth, The Great Old One, Yogg-Sothoth, Cthulhu, Myarlathotep, The Outer God, Hastur, and Shubnigarath. Lovecraft and his work is now known as cult classics that have developed over time, with Cthulhu potentially being the most famous piece of work because it even got turned into a popular card playing role playing game, like I mentioned, similar to D&D. Lovecraft goes hand in hand with the ideas of the Eldritch Terrors also, and the Eldritch Terrors are said to come from this idea, which because there are eight of the ancient, inhuman, immortal, world destroying entities that predate time and space, they go hand in hand, right? This sounds very similar. Comparatively, society depicts Cthulhu as a gigantic entity beyond this world worshipped by cultists. He's the shape of a green octopus slash dragon with a caricature of human form. Lovecraft describes Cthulhu as a monster of vaguely anthropoid outline, but with an octopus-like head whose face has a mass of feelers, a scaly, rubbery-looking body, prodigious claws on hind and forefeet with long, narrow wings behind him. He's a big ass baddie. Whoa. I can't even like picture that. Google Cthulhu, Kylie. You're right allowed, now? Yeah, you're allowed to be on your phone. Google Cthulhu. <laughs> you're allowed to be on my phone. Okay. So Lovecraft, Lovecraft transcribed the pronunciation of Cthulhu by saying the following. Okay. So the first syllable pronounced gutturally and very thick. Then the U is about that in full. And the first syllable is not unlike cool in sound, hencing the H representing the guttural thickness. Cthulhu. Kylie still doesn't get it. Kylie still doesn't want to get it. It's spelled so weird. Lovecraft gave different pronunciations on different occasions. According to Lovecraft, it's merely the closest that the human vocal apparatus can come to reproducing the syllables of his alien language he created. Now, that's saying that Cthulhu is not a word that English is meant to like depict. That's why it's a hard word for us to say is because it's in an alien language. It's also saying that he's alien. No, no, no. He just knows the alien language to write about it. (laughs) Cthulhu has been spelled in many other ways, including Tulu, Cthulhu, Cthulhu, things like that. And it's sometimes preceded by having, you know, great dead dread, something like that. So like if you heard like Cthulhu the dread, that's the same thing. Cthulhu could easily be a dark, deep hole to fall into because H.P. Lovecraft is like fucking insane. Anyone that knows anything about it. It's kind of like a cult, but like (laughs) not like a like you're going to die cult, but more of like a cult classic cult, like Rocky Horror Picture Cult. You know what I mean? Okay, it's one of those. It's a Mm -hmm. cult classic. 
but he's also just kind of like this cool, almost mythical thing at this point. Like H.P. Lovecraft is a real guy. Yes, he's like a real human that really lived. He's real. But it's almost like he's been talked about so much and his life was so and his work was so insane that it's almost like. I can't think of someone else that's like this, but it's where like almost you can't fathom that they were a real person that truly existed. And it's just like, whoa, I almost feel like they're like a made up person at this point, but they're real. So his mind was super odd and unique. It led to very interesting lore to come from it. If I had to sum up like what it would be like to have a conversation with H.P. Lovecraft in my mind, it would be like if Stephen King's brain, all of mythology, the satanic panic worshipers, the creators of Supernatural all got together and they shared one brain. That's H.P. Lovecraft's brain. Like, that's it. He created this full on lore and all these characters. And like to give you an example of how intense Cthulhu and all his characters are, Cthulhu has a whole family tree on how he came to be and everything. Like a full on family tree. Okay, so Cthulhu descends from Yogg-Soth, possibly having been born on Roll in the 23rd Nebula. He mated with Aidya from the planet Zoth. His offspring are Ganatala, Yogotha, Zotham, and Saltya. If you think this is like showing you how weird all this is and how Lovecraftian ties into crazy like stuff, it's crazier than that. Like people took all of Lovecraft stuff and reproduce it over the year because even the the like place where Cthulhu's born role that's in the Transformers movies where the all spark almanac is. Okay, I knew I knew that name and I was like, how do I know that name? So like people take bits of his world for everything. So Cthulhu, right? Okay. I talked about how everything else is in popular media and stuff like that. Cthulhu is its own entity and it's not replicated a lot except for as Cthulhu. So like in Dungeons and Dragons, they feature Cthulhu itself under the deities and demigods in some of the books. And then like there's a Cthulhu book, manga, manga, like uh, like like all that kind of stuff. Like there's a play about it and everything. It's called Cthulhu Mythos. And that's how people know more about Cthulhu. But even if you don't know about Cthulhu, you know about H.P. Lovecraft without realizing you know him. So let's real quick. I know this isn't an episode on him, so I'm not going to like do a whole thing. But H.P. Lovecraft, he is the source of inspiration to things like it from Stephen King. Pennywise is said to be like almost a Lovecraftian creation. That's what Stephen King took reference to in his mind. Slenderman. Same thing. The Rake, one of the weirdest cryptids in my mind, takes place because of the idea of Lovecraftian creations. Lovecraft County, County, Country, the TV show. If you haven't watched it, I'm so sad it's gone. Go watch it. I think it's on HBO Max. It's weird. I love it. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, like all this kind of stuff, because the Eldritch Terrors are in that. These all take pieces of Lovecraftian work and use it in today's society. He's Hmm. very influential. Interesting. Yeah. But that's that's Cthulhu. So do you believe in Cthulhu? (laughs) Okay, yeah, Cthulhu's not real. (laughs) Hate to break it to you. That one isn't real. But that one's the craziest. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. So that's the only ones I covered today because the Merfolk ones were really long, was a big part of it. And because I wanted to talk about Davy Jones and stuff, have a little more fun. 
So that is your water creature short stories. Go listen to SeaWorld so that you understand all the things we're saying about all orcas. the jokes we have. Also, I learned something new about orcas that they also kill. Um, they're like on the top of the food chain because they kill great whites. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. That's interesting. Okay. Good <laughs> to know. Randomly watched a YouTube video on it. It's just weird. Super weird. What are you looking for? <laughs> I don't know. I was going to give them a hint at what the next week's episode is, <clears throat> but um, it's just gone. <laughs> I so the, like to give you an example, I was going to give you guys a hint. This is episode 39. I go 39, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45. 40 is just gone. I don't know where I put it. I just put it somewhere. <laughs> Maybe you didn't uh, number it. Oh, I didn't because I know what it is. Okay, it's fun. It's a fun one. It's fun. It's fun. Oh, remember. It's Mandela Effect. Oh, yes. It's a fun one. Why not? Because this wasn't fun enough already. <laughs> I love short stories. I love short stories. I put another short story on the docket, guys. You asked. I listened. There you go. That's all you got to do is ask for it and it gets put on the docket somewhere. Maybe not where you want it, but it's there. I'm asking for fairy tale short stories. Well, Kylie, go fucking suck it. Like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get to ask things. (laughs) It's not very nice. Okay, so tell us what you guys think. We've asked a lot of questions tonight. We did get an answer on our last week's episode of Kaneka Jenkins. We asked a professional. I would consider him a professional. It's what he does for a profession, and he is amazing at it. So we have a friend named Colin, and Colin uh, is a professional video. You're so bad at that name. <laughs> Videographer. Videographer. <laughs> you dumb. <laughs> Italian. Videographer. <laughs> Did you see my little thing? That's doing the <laughs> so he is a videographer, and we asked him, what is the probability of the splicing of the Kaneka footage, doing the editing out, doing all that stuff, and... Colin said he can't 100% obviously give a fact because he doesn't know everything. But he said the probability of doing what they said happened, it's slim to none. I was talking to him at the beach when I got severely sunburnt. He said, absolutely fucking not. (laughs) (laughs) He was trying to very politely in the comment write fuck no, but he was being very mature about it. So I was like, okay, okay. If you want to if you want to check out Colin's work, his uh his business name is CG Visuals. It's CGV. Um, that's his like logo. So go check him out. He's on TikTok and Instagram and he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Very phenomenal. talented human. Hmm. You know who else is super talented? Who? Corey, aka our editor with core.media.photography on Instagram. We're mixing it up. We're doing them out of order this time. I was like, wait, why? Like, why is he? Like, what do you know? Because he's super fucking talented. I mean, yeah, he he deserves to be recognized first and foremost. Talented little man. I kind of love him. He's very sunburnt right now. Same. (laughs) (laughs) We also have to give a big shout out to Damon Vakovsky and Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. You guys are awesome. 
Someone asked me the other day, why does Damon get a last name and no one else? First off, it's because stalking Damon would be difficult because you guys can't spell his last name. Please, shit. please try to spell Vakovsky. <laughs> but also because uh, I asked Damon one time if I could put his uh, handle and he never replied. So I asked him three more times and he didn't reply to any of them. So I decided, <laughs> fuck him. He gets his last name. Everyone else replied. So everyone else gets their handle. It's Slavi Poppy, if you want to know. Go find that it. That is really funny, though. I didn't even, like, notice it. it. You just have to say Damon Vakovsky. Yeah, I always say first and last name for him. There's very few people I do that, but Damon Vakovsky is one of them. You're like, Damon Vakovsky. Yeah, literally. It's just who he is. Just rolls off the tongue. And then my coworkers were like, what the fuck is the name of the email you're emailing? I was like, Damon Vakovsky's <laughs> mother. <laughs> Don't use her name. I just use Damon Vakovsky's. <laughs> So, guys, we want to say thank you. You are all super talented and we are all super grateful. You guys are in near and around our lives. Thank you. Shit is happening. Happening. Soon. Soon. Freaking soon. So we've kind of hinted at this a little bit, but we are going to rebrand. And so check out the Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod. Uh, our DMs are always open for suggestions, so slide on in. We loved everything we've had so far. It's amazing. However, we went into this thinking we knew what we wanted, and about a day into it, we realized <laughs> it was great, but it wasn't us. Yeah. Kylie and I went with what we loved, but not with what suited our personalities. So we wanted we to do mix love things soup, up. Though. Yeah, we're still called Cryptic Soup. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. But we're going to have some real gnarly artwork and stuff coming for you guys. And it's just going to be super cute when y'all want it on a shirt. So you should be thanking us. I'm so excited. Honestly. <laughs> so, guys. It's going to be the death of me, but I'm, I'm so <laughs> but excited. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for the Apple podcast reviews and ratings. Also, we got a few new Spotify ratings. Obviously, I don't know who you are. Um, and they've all been five stars. So holy crap. Thank you. Yay. We have not gotten anything but a five star rating on Spotify. If you want to, like, get the shout out part, just DM us on Instagram. Which one of those I do know who it is. It is our good friend, Sam, over at Creme de la Crime podcast. Creme de la Crime. Creme de la Crime. It just makes me think of Creme de la Creme de la Edgar. It's from Aristocats. I've never seen that. You need to. Uh. I don't understand. <laughs> but... <laughs> We have some really cool things coming up. Also, we're talking to other podcasts, guys. We have been listening to other podcasts. We want to get you guys the best content we can. So we're starting to work around doing other things coming and up. We're like basically 10 episodes away from our 50th episode. So we're going to bring you guys something special, something hopefully really unique. And we are just from now until episode 50. Y'all keep your eyes and ears out because... You're going to get your mind blown. (laughs) Your mind is going to be blown more than when they discovered that mermaids were fucking walruses. (laughs) (laughs) So remember, guys, subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us. Come join us for the conversation because we're going to see you next Tuesday. Stay tuned. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up here.